Hi, I'm Nick Ashburn, the Senior Director of Impact Investing at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, and I'm here today with Suzanne Beagle, Chief Catalyst at Large and the Senior Gender Lens Investing Advisor at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. And of course, today, Suzanne, we are going to be talking about gender lens investing. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. This is my favorite topic, so I'm excited to be here. Exactly. So let's start off first. I think on different interviews we've done with Knowledge at Wharton, we've covered gender lens investing, but let's start with the beginning. What is gender lens investing? Gender lens investing can be defined in a few different ways. One is to think about how you integrate a gender analysis into a financial analysis to get to a better outcome okay. in any investment. Another way of thinking about it is to think about how we use capital intentionally to achieve positive impacts on women and girls. So you might think about women's access to capital. You might think about products and services that positively affect women and girls or take advantage of the women's market. You might think about where women show up across the value chain of a business. So in governance, in leadership, in supply chains and distribution channels, all the way through to end customers. And you might be thinking about how do we use our capital intentionally to shift structural gender inequality. And so help me better understand what the demand for this type of investment, um, how that's playing out. Well, when I started doing this kind of investing 17 years ago, uh, there, it was hard to find other people who were ready to be in this conversation. And there were people coming from an international development perspective saying, how do we get capital to women entrepreneurs? The microfinance industry, inclusive finance industry was uh, thriving. Uh, there were people who were thinking about how do we get capital to women entrepreneurs, especially in tech, because it was in the, in the sort of boom of the uh, tech emergence. Uh, there were people who were starting to think about women on boards and in governance, but it was very early. I mean, when I really looked to deploy capital 17 years ago with this kind of a lens, there was one fund that was a, a public equity strategy. There were some women's opportunity loan funds in local communities, but it was, it was pretty scarce. Now, over the past 17 years, we have seen demand come from the investor community, from individuals to institutions, from players in the private markets to people in the public sphere and the international development multilaterals and the development finance institutions. And it's coming for a few different reasons. One is because people are seeing the rise of women as consumers, and whether that's in B2B or in the, on the consumer side, women as purchasers. Um, the second is really to see where uh, the problems are. People are sharpening their understanding of where the problems are around gender equality or women's access, women and girls' access to education or health care or financial inclusion and how capital can be part of the overall solution to solve some of those problems. Um, people are seeing the opportunity that is out there to invest and back high-tech, high-growth women entrepreneurs or fund managers who are developing funds around uh, women's access to capital or around just smart business that, that has women in leadership. Uh, and so as the additional supply has grown of investable opportunities, that has also influenced demand. And as women and men who get it about gender equality and the opportunities to invest with a gender lens are starting to be more vocal, then they're also pushing to see more product get created. So it's a both two-sided market. 
Well, and I think if I if I understand you correctly, there's an element. So if we think of gender lens analysis, we're just understanding, you know, where do women pop up in the investment value chain? So like you said, it could be within the company at you know, board or senior leadership throughout the company in the supply chain? How does the product and service? I mean, you're just sort of considering it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another opportunity here where you actually are investing in things that you hope will actually improve the lives of women and girls. And so when in the broader conversation around, let's say, environmental, social and governance factors or impact investing with the intentionality lens, a lot of people are saying, if you're taking in to account these different factors, ESG, gender being one of them, it's better business. You know, these will be better run companies. How does that resonate with you? Well, I'm spending, for example, a fair amount of time in Africa and South Asia right now. And whether I'm speaking with male or female business leaders, they're telling me it just makes sense for us if we are marketing to women to have women in sales and marketing roles. If we are working with primarily women in the value chain, in the, in the supply chain, then we should have women who are thinking about what are the barriers and opportunities for that workforce. If we are designing products and services where women are the primary consumers, it just makes sense to have women in roles of design and development of products and thinking about distribution. So to take that a step further, let's say, you know, Dove Body Soap, often marketed to women. It's not a women-only product, but often marketed to women. We wouldn't necessarily expect a room full of men to better understand how to market that product to women. And it's not to say that a room full of men might not, but it is to say that if you are thinking from a a human-centered design or a user-centered design approach, you would be thinking not only what is it about the product? What is it about how we speak to our consumer audience? Where can they get it? Are we respectful in uh, how we're portraying who our target audience is? And we'd be taking all of that into account. And so you'd naturally want to have uh, diversity on the teams that are making those decisions. So you talked a little bit about, you know, from 17 years ago to today, there is an increase in investment products, things that you can actually invest in with a gender lens. What are some of those? Well, so on the macro level, we can be looking at across all asset classes. The thing that I'm most excited about at the moment is where we can use private equity and private debt. And so we're working on a research project here at Wharton, which is focused on mapping the field around private equity and venture investing with a gender lens. And we are uncovering, people think when I tell them that, that I'm going to talk about maybe five or 10 or 15 funds that have that kind of approach. Right at the moment, we're tracking over 100. And they are domestic and they're emerging markets. They are very specific around particular uh, sectors and themes and or they are really thinking about where are women in the picture in terms of leadership. So it's a, a fund to invest in women entrepreneurs in Ohio, or it's a fund to invest in women who are focused on high-tech, high-growth companies that are in cybersecurity and AI and deep, deep tech and deep science. Uh, so there really is a diversity now of f- structured vehicles that are emerging, and that's really exciting. And so while I understand that, you know, the private markets are a great place to have impact and consider this, in terms of scale of capital on the supply side, you know, public markets are, are, you know, there's more deployed there. And so 
if I have you know more of my assets in that and I want to invest in a gender lens, what might I be considering in that market? In the public sphere, we're tracking about 20 different public equities and debt strategies with a gender lens, some of which are domestic, some of which are global. And they range from offerings from private banks, so you have to be a client of that private bank, through to things that you can get as an ETF or in a mutual fund. So there are investable products out there in the marketplace? There are. And if we think even from uh, 2014, there were about $400 million under management that we could see. Just bringing it forward to 2016 was about $600 million under management across these 20 strategies. And that is for funds that really have an articulated gender lens mandate. There are a number of other strategies where they use gender as a factor of analysis in ESG and are even doing shareholder activism around uh, gendered shareholder proposals. Uh, but that, that represents a whole other pool of capital. And so your role with us at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative and you know, the work that I think we're doing together really is starting to uncover what is out there because it is, it's nuanced, it's varied. Some people are more forthcoming around that they use a gender lens in their analysis. Um, what do you think you know, working with an institution like Wharton brings to this space? I think it's important that we help people see the breadth and depth of the field. I think that Wharton as a finance institution really can bring the question of what, what is the evidence around performance, um, help people make sense of the different strategies that different uh, fund managers are deploying, and help to amplify to the finance community, not just to the sort of general public, but really within the finance community, this is a field, this is a field of investment that is emerging. These are some of the really important research questions that are coming from that uh, and to help people make sense of what good looks like. So uh, you mentioned the private equity um, investments that you're particularly interested personally. You know, at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, we've been doing this long-term study on impact investing private equity. You know, impact investing, I think, fits into a gender lens profile, but not everyone is um, calling themselves impact invest gender lens impact investors. Mm -hmm. So how might we, with that project, where we're looking at the financial performance and the impact, where might we find sort of funds that are interested in gender lens? So we're tracking 120 funds that we have now broken into four or five different categories. The first are funds that have an explicit quantified gender lens mandate. Now, they may self-identify as an impact fund or they may not identify as an impact fund. In some cases, they're allergic to being referred to as an impact fund. Their view of impact is that they're getting access to capital for women entrepreneurs in high-tech, high-growth arenas or in particular categories that are really growing that represent the women's market. And or these where, investors are saying in their investment thesis or more publicly, this is our stated goal and often with sort of a number to quantify what their goals are around yes. this. Yes. So we're going to do 50% of our portfolio will be into companies with women co-founders or 100% of our companies will be looking at women's economic empowerment as the end goal, irrespective of who's in leadership. So that's quantified gender lens mandate. Then we have another category in this taxonomy that we're evolving that is gender lens mandate. So people are saying we absolutely are committed to a gender lens in our fund, but we're not going to quantify what percentage or how many or how many people need to be on the board or in the C-suite or 
in the audience. There's another category, which is gender consideration. And that's really about using gender as a factor of analysis in looking at deals. And again, not a commitment that we're going to invest in women entrepreneurs or in companies that take advantage of the women's market, but that we're looking across the whole suite of areas of analysis. There's another category, which is really interesting for us, where you might have a lot of women in fund management, for example, which is still still so small, uh, where we think that there is a gender lens in there, but they're not stating it publicly in their marketing materials, in their deal docs, but we have watched what they're doing, and we think that there's more of an opportunity to bring and sharpen, sharpen their gender lens uh, in a way that they're not even speaking about. So let's take your Wharton Social Impact Advisor hat off, but your practitioner gender lens investor hat on. What would you like to see as an investor to help you make these decisions? This is exactly one of the reasons why I got this work started with Veris Wealth Partners and Wharton, is because as an investor who's deploying capital, I want to understand the different strategies of these fund managers. What kind of capital are they using? What are their their thesis around using a gender lens. What sectors and themes are they in? What geographies are they focused on? What stage of companies are they really uh, looking to help uh, or address? What are their financial goals as well as their social impact goals, if they're stating that? How do they look at the market? So are they, where do they see the trends? Or where, what, are, what are the problems they're really trying to solve? So that I can make sense of the choices that I have and if I, I might come to the conclusion that none of these funds is doing exactly what I want and that I might want to start and seed fund a new fund, as some of the people in our scan have done. I might come to the conclusion that I want to uh, launch my own fund or put money into a number of these funds that are really tied to the strategies that I'm looking to accomplish. Um, and I really want to see the growth of capital going towards promising entrepreneurs, male or female, um, who are solving the kind of problems that I'm looking to solve. Is there a demand side um, challenge in that, you know, in terms of the investable opportunities in the private markets where people are addressing these issues? Or, you know, we just need to find them? There's no shortage of demand for capital. I think that's in the billions, even just within the United States, much less you know, when you, you get beyond the U.S. And we're tracking this on a global basis. Um, I think finding quality deals for the strategy that you have. So if you're very specifically saying, I want to invest in technology companies that are disrupting slavery and trafficking, what's the quality of the deal flow there? Or if I want to invest in global women's health with a particular uh, target audience in mind, you know, what's the, what's the quality of the deal flow there? I think um, the opportunities for co-investments across these different funds is also starting to emerge, which I think is very interesting. And I think the question of for the strategy that you're taking as a venture fund or a private equity fund, um, how are you also able to bring uh, other gender impacts to life and forward at, with your power as an investor? One way that fund managers are approaching this is to say, if I spot an opportunity that I think is a really strong business going after a solid market with a good management team and a good understanding of product market fit and all the things that we would normally look for in private equity and debt opportunities, and I don't think that they're 
as strong as they could be from a gender perspective. I can use my power as a fund manager or as a limited partner in a fund to influence their, their evolution. So whether that's adding more people to the, or more women to the board, whether that's looking at the management team, whether that's looking at helping them sharpen how they're thinking about marketing and sales or distribution, that that's an opportunity in the private markets that we have is to really influence these companies. What I love about looking at the gender lens investing space as a researcher is when I look at this as a factor of analysis or the intentionality that I want to invest to improve the lives of women and girls, I see this as an opportunity to dive deep into one sort of theme or sector. But at the same time, these principles that maybe we'll uncover through the research will be applicable to other factors outside of gender. How could you see that playing out? Well, some people are really interested in the question of looking at race and class and gender and ethnicity. Where other forms of diversity, where does adding a conscious approach to thinking about diversity improve the financial performance or the social performance of a fund or of a particular business? So we may, by focusing in on gender, also uncover good questions and good uh, trends to be thinking about in other forms of diversity. That's sort of one. We're at a point in our evolution as a field of gender lens investing where we don't necessarily have strong correlation data and we definitely don't have strong causation data about when you look at gender in particular areas, does it automatically have a positive either financial effect or social effect? And hopefully both. Or hopefully both. And so I think this is one of the things we're really hoping to do is within this field uncover some of those correlations and especially where's the opportunity for causation. But then in comparing with non-gender lens mandate funds or with, with funds that don't have this to really be able to help to show that having that level of diversity or level of attention, conscious attention to paying attention to markets uh, that you're, and trends has delivers, helps you to deliver a better performance on both a financial and a social basis. And Suzanne, you are one of the most foremost experts in this field, both as a practitioner, but also as a researcher. What are you most excited about in the future in this space? I am really excited about uncovering how we're matching structures of capital to the problems that we're trying to solve, whether that is in a thematic or a sort of sectoral area, or whether that is in for what kind of business is the right capital appropriate. So when does it actually make sense to blend philanthropic capital and debt? When does it make sense to have a peer-to-peer lending structure? When does it make sense to have uh, something which doesn't have a classic 10-year and 2 and 20 structure uh, that is uh, sort of known in the venture capital industry and where we need new tools, new forms, new structures that are going to better suit the, uh, the needs of the, of the entrepreneurs that we're really aiming to help. So that's one thing that I'm excited about is that we're starting to see these new structures uh, that don't just pick up what was before. The second is that we have an opportunity to get more and more refined about enabling people to match the investment structures and strategies with what they, the problems that they really want to solve or the market opportunities that they really want to see. So I think we've gone from 
broad-based invest with a gender lens or invest in women entrepreneurs to being able to get more precise and to say, I care about improving the quality of women and girls' access to health, or I care about girls' access to education. What can I be in? And so that differentiation is uh, something that's starting to happen, and I think we have both a need and an opportunity to help people see that. I also think the evolution away from being it only being about women's access to capital or women in leadership to people really saying, what if I really am going for a fund that is about improving the lives of women and girls or improving the lives of uh, a particular target audience at the base of the pyramid or taking advantage again of an opportunity in uh, you know, AI and cybersecurity? Um, where can I see gender there? And to, so the ability to seize market opportunities and to solve problems is just getting more and more refined. Well, I love it because there's an element of this where we want to better understand what works and what's the evidence base. But we also want to innovate and push bounds. So thank you so much for joining us. We've been speaking with Suzanne Beagle, who's the chief catalyst at large and a senior gender lens investing advisor at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. Thanks for joining us. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.